Hello everybody and welcome to Captain's Quarter Star Trek Rewatch Podcast, where we are rewatching the entirety of Star Trek, starting at the beginning of the timeline, starting with Star Trek Enterprise. Today we are beginning season two of Star Woo! Trek Enterprise. Season two It's exciting. It's exciting stuff. My name's Gabe, I'm with Jason. Make it so, Jason. Joel on true, buddy. How are you? fantastic Uh, in season one we concluded on a cliffhanger archer was pulled into the future by daniels and when that happened it broke the timeline and all of the technology that daniels relied on to travel back and forth through time basically didn't exist because archer was a cog in a I don't know if that's the right term was a chain in a a link in a chain yeah of, a pretty important piece yeah mm-hmm. yeah he, Pro- he uh, a, I would I would probably call him a keystone in that yeah. like you know the keystone in an arch it's the top and then you know if you take that away everything else falls apart right yeah and it it kind of confirms that we're not dealing with a split timeline we're dealing with a continuous timeline so the timeline they're on was disrupted by the absence of him being in the past um or going through um history as he should have i think even as i said that i was starting to question whether it's a split timeline situation or not i don't want to get too much into that though because i feel like we could go on for hours on that (laughs) oh yeah well so anyway um at the same time uh, at the inter- the Enterprise in regular, in the regular timeline, um, back in the past, right back in the past, now Captain by Tapol is contending with Sulaban, who have surrounded them and had demanded that Archer uh, come aboard one of the Sulaban ships. Uh, they had kind of agreed that was the only way out of the situation, so Archer actually was going to go board one of the Sulaban ships. And then as he was, uh, Daniels pulled him into the future. And um, it was a apocalyptic future for the same reasons that because Archer, because Archer hadn't lived out uh, the life that he was supposed to centuries later in the 31st century, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, things had gone, gone wrong. 3052 i believe is the is the <clears throat> the year that archer is pulled into with daniels right so with this episode uh i know that i'm going to say things out of order yeah be- because we're dealing with different timelines or or hundreds of years of, of distance and, yep, it's, it's and it does hard. shift back and forth yeah it shifts around but so the gist of it is that uh, Ar- archer and, and daniels they're in this apocalyptic future and uh, at one point they're in a library and they're they're looking through books they're looking through records um they're trying to figure out like how are they going to send archer back when this time travel technology has yeah so i think actually what they're trying to do is that daniels is trying to put together from the books 
what has what has been recorded in history and what has changed from what he knows of his own timeline right so i think he's going back and saying oh this is the point where this he's trying to piece together what's changed in history and I, oh and i also want to say uh, Archer picks up a book or looks at a book and he utters the words Romulan Star Empire. I think this is the first time we've heard um, the Romulan Star Empire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what was that all about? Was that, a, was that a direct reference to something that happens in the subsequent Star Trek uh, entry? Yeah, I mean, you know, we get to meet the Romulans, you know, in the first... In Star Trek: The Original Series, in a in, a, in an episode called ba- "Balance of Terror," which is a great episode, by the way. Um, but yeah, it, this is but the this is the first mention of the Romulans. So we may meet the Romulans at some point. Who knows? But that um, <clears throat> that book, because Daniel says like you don't want to know or something. Yeah, it yeah. Was are you sure that wasn't like a direct reference to like it an may actual? It may have been. It may have been. Um, they the Romulans do play an important like role in the franchise for sure. Okay. All right. Well, hey, you know what? I think we have enough listeners now. Maybe someone tweet me and tell me um, if that was a direct reference to a specific episode or movie for some from some other entry in in Star Trek. I'd be curious to know. There was another book that they called out. Do you remember what it was? I don't. There was another one. Um, darn it. I, I meant to make note of it and bring it up. Okay. Because it was, it was less significant than the, the Romulan one. But um, anyway. Um, yeah, so... So... After a bit of that, they're saying... I think they were surprised that it the library was not holding electronic. It wasn't holding an electronic database. But because I think it was a surprise to Daniels that it held paper. Because <laughs> it held paper books. That's the one thing I do remember other than the mm-hmm. uh, Archer mentioning uh, Romulan Star Empire. Right. And <clears throat> there was also a monument that was missing... Because oh. because history hadn't played out, there was some sort of monument. Or... Oh, I missed that. Oh, you did. Oh man. Well, now now I think it. I made that up in my head. Then. No, no, no. You um, probably you know you probably are right. He says something. There should have been something here. Oh yeah, Remember a that? monument to the Federation. Yes. Right. I oh. Do re- yes. Okay. Yes. That was the other book. That was the other book that he says. Archer says, "What's the Federation?" or, or something like that. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, that's oh. right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. I got so, lost in that discussion because they talked about the Federation for a little while. What does that mean? I, that's going to sound crazy. We're going to start so the podcast, but what is the so Federation? The Federation is a is a collection of planets that is committed to like you know the values of human uh, of alien and species rights no caste system it's kind of this um united nations of intergalactic planets um and it's headquartered on earth <clears throat> and er- so earth uh humans vulcans and dorians 
and a couple of other, and I don't want to give it away because I believe we get into that at the end of this, uh, at the end of this series. And when I say series, I mean the four season, the end of the Enterprise series. We get to, I think they establish, or we get to see the beginnings of the United Federation of Planets. Okay. So it's basically a galactic UN. Okay. And I just confirmed that the monument that was missing was a monument to the Federation. Oh, okay. Okay. Because at this point, Starfleet is just Starfleet. A lot, you know, it's the humans and the Vulcans and a couple other species. Um, they just haven't come together united uh, under one banner. Okay. Well, so at the same time, back at the Enterprise, back in present day, well, present day of the show. 2152. <laughs> um, Silic, you know, leader of the Suliban Cabal. He is saying, where's Archer? He's supposed to come on board. We're going to destroy you. Uh, we're going to board the Enterprise and we're going to scan because they're like, yeah, Archer's gone. We don't know where he is. So the Suban are going to board the Enterprise and scan and confirm that Archer is or isn't on board. And T'Pol is basically like very pragmatic about it. We have to let them on. Um, and obviously, people like Tucker are not thrilled about this, but what are you going to do? Have no choice. Yeah, what are you going to do? These these Suliban ships have proven to just be too advanced. They swarm. And they're surrounded they, by, what, 25 or 30 yeah. of them? Something mm -hmm. like that? So Enterprise has the capability to take out you know a couple of them if they wanted to but the, there's just too many so right what are they gonna do uh yeah so silic and and a group of these suliban board the enterprise and um basically confine the crew to their quarters um and so um yeah i mean i don't know do you want to talk about that party when we go back to archer do you think it not matters doesn't matter it doesn't matter okay well so they're they're in their quarters and um at one point they basically interrogate to paul um she legitimately doesn't know anything but the deal is is that as they're scanning they're basically they're not finding traces of archer but they are finding traces of a, a temporal signature yes in the lift that that archer um was in yep and so that's how they they know the the suliban know like something funky's going on with right. with archer being transported to another time right and with T'Pol believing in the vulcan science academy that time travel is improbable um she's uh, she speaks a little bit more harshly of it than that she basically is like <laughs> yeah i'm being kind uh-huh well um and the deal is is that so we we talked about in season one how the, the sula band they they take directions from and they communicate with a dark shadowy figure who mm -hmm. we assume is from the future palpatine 
Yeah. Jason calls him Palpatine. They haven't um, been in communication with him. We assume it's a him. Yeah. Uh, and they are freaking out about that, the Suliban are, because uh, the last time that they didn't adhere to his instructions, there was there was punishments right. doled out. And so right. they're scared. I mean, they're scared of this person. And, right. Um, um, so they their instructions were to bring Archer in. So the fact that they don't have Archer, they're they're panicked right um, and so um you know they're they're interrogating to paul not only does she not know what's going on with archer like you said she actually doesn't believe time travel is possible um and so the other crew members they are they're able to hack into um one of the systems and communicate with each other. Tucker actually sort of hacks into a system and he's able to communicate with Reed uh, discreetly. And they, they because they know their ship and they're all smart, they figure out how to kind of uh, then use that to talk to everyone else on the B deck. Eventually they're able to get to C deck and eventually they hatch a plan for Hoshi to go climb into like this crawl space which i believe is the plan. precursor to the jeffrey's tubes if i'm not mistaken they oh, don't yeah. call it that but all the crawl tube, all the crawl spaces and all the little tubes that you get into for engineering you know to get around the ship uh into like you know repair certain you know uh services on board the ship they're all called the jeffrey's tube okay so this I thought this might have been the precursor to the Jeffrey's tubes. Okay. Uh, wait, do you know why it's called Jeffrey's? Tube? Yeah. So Matt Jeffrey's was the original designer of the Enterprise. He was the one that came up with the design back in the nineteen sixties, and so and he and I believe he also came up with many of the other starship designs, and probably some of the costume and uniform and some of the look. But I know he was the main designer of the original enterprise okay so they didn't so, call it jeffrey's tubes in in the show right? yeah they do in later uh, in later uh iterations of the franchise yep okay well so this this episode in particular has a lot of scantily cladedness yeah yeah <laughs> Like when T'Pol is in her quarters, just, you know, she's not wearing her her regular uniform. When she's being interrogated, she's wearing, like, just skimpy clothing. I don't, I don't yep. know, skimpy's not the right word at all. Uh, she's wearing a tank top. But yeah. it's just more, um, you know what, maybe I'm being prudish right now, to be honest. Uh, it's just because she's always wearing her uniform, and then right. in, in a lot of these close-up scenes, she isn't. Um, right. And I, I took that as them doing their uh, gratuitous yeah. stuff. I think so, but too. But I, I could be just looking looking into it too much. Well, I, I think the reason I even said that is because... So Hoshi Sato is up in these Jeffrey's tubes. And she has to go down to Flocks to get um, these... Uh, 
like tranquilizers. Yeah. And and when she jumps down from the tube from the opening, her shirt gets like hooked on. Yeah. And it tears her shirt. She off. jumps down and she uh, into re- into Reed's quarters. Oh, it is. You're right. It was Reed's quarters. And yeah. as she, it, her shirt comes off and shows. Yeah, she's her like, tank top comes. Yeah, yeah. Has her hands over. I was her like, chest. was that necessary? I don't know. Well, yeah, I, I think that's why I was I was lumping everything they did in this episode with that sure. mentality. But maybe that was wrong. I don't know. But could be. Could be. Um, so uh, that was kind of funny. And, and, you know, she's like crawling around and stuff in the, in the tubes. And so she's, they say like, you know, only like a small child could crawl around here or Sato. (laughs) And she doesn't, she doesn't want to do it at all. Right. But yeah. Cause she's claustrophobic. Right. So, so their plan is to use these tranquilizers to overpower the Suliban, et cetera, et cetera. So we've jumped ahead a little bit. I want to pull it back. So... A, a, a tiny bit because this plan is hatched because of Daniels' ability to rework uh, what Spock would call um, Archer's communicator using stone knives and bearskins, uh, you know, crude. 20 for you know 22nd century technology to use as communicator mm-hmm. to communicate with the enterprise and so archer appears before to paul and so to paul has been interrogated by the sulaban and he appears in her quarters on the ceiling while she's kind of dazed and you know feeling the effects from the truth serum or whatever they were using to interrogate her and he appears on the wall as this gold head figure um beamed in uh from the future so it was interesting yeah so back in the future daniels explains in high school um they have the quantum discriminator is that what they call it mm -hmm. yeah uh, he's like, yeah, in high school, we learn how to do this. Every desk had a quantum discriminator. Right. Um, and he's basically like, tells Archer, give me your, give me your scanner and your communicators. Yep. Um, I can use them. Like this is technique that you're saying. I can project back to the past uh, a message. Um, and so, yeah, that's what they do. And, and then to- that's how they hatch this plan to get all the crewmates together to take the Enterprise back right. from the Suleban. Right, because ultimately the plan is to get into Daniel's quarters, yes. which if we remember from way back in, I think it was called Cold Front? Yeah, I think so. Um, when we first met Daniel's, and he was vaporized, quote-unquote, at the end, he they had locked his quarters up but they made they intentionally like zoomed in on the device on his door kind of indicating that something something interesting is behind this door later on in part one of this uh episode which i don't think i named it it was called this is called shockwave part two so in shockwave Mm -hmm. part one they went into daniels's room 
and um, that's how they were able to find the Suliban who were ghosting them. Yep. Um, but so anyway, so their plan is to go back into Daniel's uh, room to get uh, a device. They don't tell us what they're going to use it for at first, but. Um, well, so, you know, Archer is able to project a message back to T'Pol's, um, quarters, but she isn't dazed because she has like some sort of truth serum in her blood. Uh, so she's kind of in and out of consciousness. Uh, so she almost doesn't believe what she's hearing, but I think she overpowers, um, whatever whatever's afflicting her and like you said then then they're in communication um secretly everyone on the enterprise and they hatch a plan and that's when sato ends up in the in the tunnels and um they overpower some suliban and reed is able to get into daniel's quarters and he obtains uh the device and as soon as he steps out, Silic and um, Silic's like commander are like standing there. Ron, Ran, Ron, I think is his name. Yeah. But, yeah. And they they overpower Reed and beat him up and take the device, and then um, yeah, and they start interrogating Reed. So. Well, what I don't remember, Jason, have I missed anything to this point? No, uh, okay. the only thing that you that we've gleamed over is that there is a there is a scene back on Earth um, where Ambassador Soval and his uh, Vulcan uh, uh, his uh, Vulcan uh, team are confronting uh, Admiral Forrest and starfleet about the delayed about why there is a delay of the enterprise meeting the vulcan ship the dakir Mm -hmm. and basically um you know soval believes that archer has gone rogue and has like you know potentially kidnapped to paul because to paul would have had them going uh, and rendezvousing with this Vulcan ship. Uh, and, you know, they think that she's being detained for whatever reason. And, you know, um, so there is a tension between Starfleet and the Vulcan uh, representatives. Um, and so there is a little bit of tension there. And this continues to perpetuate the fact that Soval does not completely trust Archer and that humans should be restricted and the Warp 5 program should be binned and they should be grounded again. Because that plays an important role at the end of this episode that I won't get into. Right. Just yet. Right, and that, that was the reason basically why they were surrounded and Archer was captured was because... Right. They were blamed for this genocide of this colony, this yep. destruction of this colony. It was actually the Suliban who were using a cloaking device to frame them, and they successfully framed them, and thus yep. Starfleet and the Vulcans 
canceled the mission, the the entire Enterprise mission, called them home, and they were supposed supposed to drop to pull off at this right. this Vulcan ship. Um, but but because they used Daniel's device to to basically locate the cloaked Sulaban ship, get the data disks that prove the Sulaban were the ones who actually blew up the colony. Yep. That delay, um, plus the the fallout from doing that, is what caused the current predicament. So they still do need to get these data disks and show them to the Vulcan High Command and Starfleet so that they can continue their mission. Yep, exactly. Um, well, so they... Um, how does I don't I don't remember mm-hmm. what I don't remember is how does Silic he gets the device from Reed. What does he yep. do with it? Do you remember? Yeah, so he uses it and he thinks he's so he's trying to use this device to contact uh Shadowy Palpatine. Uh-huh. Um because he needs to hear cuz for some reason Silic is desperate to hear what to do next from Palpatine. I, I guess it's the fear of him not wanting... Uh, I guess it's Silic's own fear of not wanting to be punished again. Um, right. But he wants instructions. Mm-hmm. So he uses this device, and I guess it's this transport beacon thing, because the uh, a shadowy figure does appear before Silic, but that person turns out to be Archer. Um, so I guess the device transports him back uh, to present day 2152. And Archer like kicks him in the face, knocks him down, and takes Silic as hostage. Um, and, tr- and gets back the data disks. Uh, yeah. what, I, what I don't remember, though, is how does... Because that happens on the Sulaban in the Helix, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. because they... the Enterprise is now connected to the, a space station within the Helix. Okay. Okay, so when they when Silic leaves the Enterprise to go communicate, he's just basically stepping yeah. off the Enterprise onto... Yep. Basically, whatever it's connected basically. to okay yep exactly he doesn't he doesn't and have so to like get po- into a ship and go somewhere no no okay. the the enterprise is connected to a space station within the helix and so the plan is for reed and tucker to initiate or fake an initiation of a warp core breach right henceforth destroying the enterprise and therefore would destroy the helix yeah, so these pyrotechnics to trick the Sulaban into, like you said, that the core is being breached. So, yeah. so they um, they jettison the Enterprise yeah. and tow it out to space because yep. they think it's about to blow. Yep. Um, as soon as they're clear, the Enterprise, they go into warp. Yes. So, as you said, um, Silic is um, talking to the shadowy figure. It turns out to be Archer. Archer comes out, kicks him, 
but but now archer is in the present time he doesn't like kick him as a holograph he no. literally jumps out yeah. of the holograph into the present yeah. time and space Silic played basically right into archers or the crew's plan uh, because you know they got the device they he basically you know kind of walked into that and used the tran- that device to transport archer back to 2152 from mm-hmm. what i think from what i believe so fortunately but unfortunately the plan was not for archer to pop out on a Sulaban ship right but that, that actually turned out to be good because um when they went into warp they were chased yeah uh, by the swarm but archer because he overpowers silic uh and silic is in charge archer basically takes silic hostage and um basically because of that uh the rest of them are called off um and so then archer's able to team back up with enterprise um and the and the, and the swarm leaves not you know they leave but the, but they shoot up the enterprise pretty bad but after a bit because because archer has silic they back off yep and so uh, and then they're able to transport the uh, data disks to the Vulcan. They High rendezvous Command. with the Dakir, the Vulcan ship. Actually. Mm, and then and then the Dakir um, yes. transmits the data to the so, Vulcan. So no High no Command. no. So basically, I don't. So remember. basically, they're so they basically transmit it to the Dakir. And Ambassador Soval happens to be on board. Because remember, in the end, there is this big Vulcan Enterprise screen-off showdown. <laughs> right. See, that's why I thought they transmitted it, because that was like a, a teleconference. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, so they did transmit it. Yeah, you're, you're right. They did transmit it. Um, well, so... So basically, the data disks prove that the Enterprise was framed for destroying this colony. And so the Vulcans admit that. Say, yes, the data disks prove that. The lengths you went to get this evidence was ridiculous. And in fact, you've had dozens of armed conflicts since you've started this. Mm -hmm. Um, We still, you're a danger to the quadrant. Regardless of this evidence, you know, we're still... And so Val... Yeah. Uh, includes the argument of the incident of Pajem. Right. Exposed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so he's like, we're not changing our recommendation that this be can- canceled. Um, this puts the... Um, Admiral Forrest and company in, in a tough spot because, you know, they want to back Archer, but they feel like they have to listen to Vulcans. Uh, one one thing was that Tucker mouthed off to the Vulcans. He did. And uh, nobody interrupted him. They let him say his piece before telling him to, you know, you know mind your manners there, Tucker. Right. I thought that was interesting, though, because you could tell he was holding on to that one for a lifetime. Yep. uh but then to paul actually yes speaks up 
Yeah. And so this is a big moment for her character. Huge. It's because she basically argues against the Vulcan High Command. Yes. And says, you know, um, we're talking about our mistakes that we've made along the way to get here, but we've learned from those mistakes and we're growing, we're getting better. And that's exactly how the Vulcans got to where we are. We used to be a savage species who had to overcome our yep. sort of primal nature. And we did that via mistakes and yep. iterating through those. Um, so, Because Archer says, you know, he kind of equated it, this human, this exploration to being like human children where they grow and they have to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes to continue on with this mission. And so she, in- she then interjects and said what you just said basically Mm -hmm. yeah mistakes are not a a a human they're not exclusive to humans yeah something that happens to us all so and you know i think because of that um the vulcans just kind of walk out of the meeting but uh they're obviously upset but i think they um, it's illogical for a Vulcan to get upset. That's true, yeah. But they are upset. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I think because of the evidence plus the arguments that they made, particularly to polls, that um, the uh, Starfleet allows them to continue their mission. But it's going to be strained with the Vulcans, if not a total division with them yep i don't know but i but you know the thing the thing is though it wasn't that like dramatic to me jason because we already kind of went through this with the the andorian incident with pajem as you said um and then again with to paul sort of defying her it's been a couple times when it was like they've basically pissed off the Vulcans and it seems like um or, or or even okay so even when um the Enterprise engages with a hostile species and they basically um initially their plan was to hail the Vulcans for help but they end up figuring it out themselves and they intentionally don't involve the Vulcans mm-hmm. and that to me like that was this big moment of them gaining their independence so there's been a lot of moments where it feels like we've gotten our independence so like this moment yeah. to be honest to me didn't feel that dramatic actually so for me it did and the only reason I think it did for me because this is the first time correct me if I'm wrong I think this is the first time to Paul actually says no and confronts and and openly criticizes and openly dissents from the Vulcan high command. I, I think this is the first time she criticizes their hypocrisy and their treatment towards humans openly. I'm not yeah. sure if it's been openly. No, no, it, it hasn't. But she has basically defied them with uh, you know, like I said, with the the marriage, and I think in I think in Fallen Hero, she also did. Yeah. To degree. Yeah. But I 
but those those things easily could have been chalked up by the Vulcans to. It could have know, been, yeah. The the humans are are meddling with T'Pol's mind, so. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, now we're we're basically back to back to normal for the most part. Yeah. I kind of wish he would have killed Silic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or imprisoned him. Um, that's one thing is I don't know what their capability is to arrest and prosecute, but like, I feel like they should have arrested Silic. I don't know at if they have point, the authority to, but yeah, I I don't think at this point we have a set of uh, basic international, uh, inter- oh, I should say intergalactic uh, laws and things like that. I don't think we have that yet. I kind of wish they would have said something. I wish they would have said, hey, we need to figure out if we're allowed to, like, keep hostages or prisoners, et cetera, et cetera. Because I think Silic just gets to go, and obviously he's going to come back. Yeah, but I think that was done for a reason. You know, if if you take Silic as hostage, right, you know that the rest of the Cabal is going to come after you. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, maybe that's why they backed off. It wasn't just because, hey, if you don't, if you don't back off, I'm going to kill Silic. It was like, the deal is, you back off, I'll give you Silic. It was right. a deal. It was a right. swap. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, so the other thing is for me, Jason, is to me, this confirms, kind of, that Daniels is the shadowy figure. And I know oh, you've, interesting. I know you've seen this, and we've talked about this a million times. To me, it makes the most sense that the shadow figure is somebody we know. Um, interesting. Just because I feel like, how could they resist having some okay. big twist ending like that? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then, if it is a surprise, to me it has to be impactful. Thus, it should be one of the good guys, like Archer or whatever. But now, now that I know Daniels has a device where it projects back and it looks like the way that it looked at the end of this episode, to me, it mm-hmm. confirms that Daniels is the shadowy figure. Interesting. Interesting. I don't, I don't 100% know what his intentions are. Uh-huh. I, I, obviously, to some degree, it's to protect the timeline. But I feel like there's some kind of um, grandfather paradox here of like Archer is an integral part of the foundation of the Federation. Yeah. But that also means Silic is an, an integral part of it. Because like if if Silic doesn't do what he does, then the mission of the Enterprise doesn't transpire the way that it does, and thus sure. Archer doesn't end up where he ends up. Sure, sure, sure. But but then again, Silic is only acting on the on the um, direction of the shadowy figure. Yeah, Palpatine. Yeah, so it's a it's a grandfather paradox, you know. Could be. Um, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> really. I don't. Okay. I'm not... My mind is telling me that I'm not sure if we actually get to meet Palpatine. Man. Because it was canceled? I think so. Wow. (laughs) 
I'm gonna be so. I'm gonna be really sad if that's true. <laughs> and I think we are as fans, I think we are supposed to write our own season five and, you know, in our own imagination, um, come up with who we think is the who we think is uh Palpatine. Wow. That's interesting. Well, we'll see. That that that's from memory, and I haven't looked back uh, in fifteen, uh, twenty twenty odd years or so. Because when we started this, I, I I think I remember saying I was not going to go back and like look things up. Right, right. right. Uh, so, but and and my memory may be playing tricks on me. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll see. We have uh, probably 75, 78 episodes to, yeah. to find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you want to talk about with this one? Uh, Not other than uh, congratulations, buddy. We're on season two. Yeah. I'm excited. Feels good. Um, so I did start a, as I mentioned in the last episode, started a Twitter account just for the show captain's quarters pod is the handle with all the vowels taken out of quarters so qtrs i may have to join twitter you should (laughs) i'll give you the login and password for this twitter account all right great yeah the star trek community is awesome on twitter it is super supportive it's been great so i i have more almost no i have almost as many followers on this brand new account than i have on the nerdific account amazing which has taken me years to get there so amazing amazing so yeah anyone listening to this please follow on twitter follow nerdific.com on twitter um also please follow us on spotify and if you can subscribe on apple podcasts um i just i think spotify is better just because it doesn't force you to download the episode it just streams it And that way you don't uh, get annoyed with us down the road when your phone's out of memory and you start clearing stuff out. And then, so that's why I always push Spotify over Apple, but Hey, if Apple's your thing or Android, please do or Android. Sorry. I don't even live in that world. So I don't (laughs) even know what is the podcast situation with Android? Uh, you know, I, I have not checked it out. Yeah. All right. We'll have to look into that. Feel a little bit of shamed about that one, but yeah, I, like you, I'm in an Apple ecosystem, so. Right. Well, also, can, you can subscribe on YouTube. And also go to nerdific.com for links to our Discord server and Patreon. And just random blogs about nerdy stuff that I like to do. So Watch his YouTube videos. Thanks, man. Uh, some of them are really cringy, to be honest. And if you're not a Zelda fan, man, they are not for you. But, you know, <laughs> we'll... Uh, Maybe we'll branch out someday into more content. All right. Well, with that, live long and prosper. Thank you for listening. May the force be with you. See ya.